This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Raptors, after a valiant fight, have not been able to stave off the end of their play-in slash playoff hopes. They lose in overtime, reportedly the first overtime game of the year. It seems the Raptors were really good at getting themselves down by one point or two points, and then in each scenario, down by two points, missing a three-pointer by rimming out and then went down by one point, rimming out on two-point shots, largely from Pascal Siakam, the tough luck player of the year. They lose 131 to 129. A heave at the end of the game from Pascal misses by, you know, some measure. And the Raptors, it appears they are the however many games that are left in the year, like five, four, they're just for lottery odds at this point. I think mathematically they are out of the play-in. They did their best, you know, Washington on a bit of a roll. The human chomp chain that is Russell Westbrook and the savvy scorer, Bradley Beal, you know, and with Davis Bertans and Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson in tow, they managed to outlast the Raptors, 131 to 129. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and let's talk about the game. And I don't think you can talk about the game in an important way or a meaningful way without discussing Pascal Siakam, who the Wizards, fundamentally, I didn't think they had much recourse to stop him. Oftentimes, you know, Davis Bertans <laughs> ended up on him. And that's, you know, or Garrison Matthews or Chandler Hutchinson. And, you know, I like Chandler Hutchinson a lot more than most people, I think. And Davis Bertans has his utility in the league. I mean, he's an incredible shooter, but these guys are just not equipped to stop Pascal, and even, you know, if they tried to blitz, they were weak blitzes that Siakam could get around. There just wasn't a lot of... They just I don't know what they were doing as far as game plan to stop Pascal, and so Pascal kind of rode the wave of pick and roll and ball handling opportunities to 44 points on 60% shooting, and yes, he, he went like 8 of 11 from the line. A couple of those free throws hurt, but just an astounding game wherein his... His ability to get downhill was transformative for the Raptors' offense, and he did so much heavy lifting, not only in being able to score the ball himself, but 
provide for teammates, understanding when he's coming downhill, seeing the second level of the defense because he was able to get past his primary quite often. If he's gathering the ball, is he going to get the guy to dig in from the corner wherein he can make the pass to the corner for a three-pointer or something like that? And Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet doing a pretty good job of playing off of it in that way. And guys like Ken Birch, DeAndre Bembry, both pretty clever cutters, especially Bembry, even though, you know, Birch has more opportunities just because of his, uh, he's a lot closer. His proximity to the rim is typically a little bit closer, but both of them playing off of Pascal quite well, I think, and Pascal doing heavy lifting for the whole team, basically. And Fred, I, I know he had a great game last time, especially from a playmaking perspective, but really taking the backseat to what Siakam was doing. And that's good. The Raptors' offense wasn't the problem tonight. Obviously, on a possession-by-possession possession base, you're going to run into you know, possessions that you don't like, that you don't like how they operated, you don't like how players got into formation to run a set, you don't like the outcome, you don't like how guys come off screens, all that kind of stuff. It slows down sets, it complicates them, it gets you nowhere, and you're going to see things get like run down and... You know, that type of stuff happens during sets all the time. But typically, I think the Raptors should be happy with what they were able to produce offensively and largely on the back of Pascal. And Fred, I think, did a fantastic job of sliding in next to that. And that's not a bad thing. They don't, this isn't like a competition between the two. We're looking for them to coalesce. And oftentimes they do in a very meaningful way. And there's sometimes I think Fred gets a little bit overzealous with what he wants to do with the ball. And Pascal Siakam maybe sometimes is a little bit too happy to kind of sit on his, to rest on his laurels and allow Fred to take over the game when Pascal is a guy who is very talented offensively. And games like tonight obviously show that, that he can score in a lot of different ways. He can produce not just for himself, but for others. And for him to continue to keep attacking is the lifeblood of the Raptors offense. And Fred Van Vliet while he's done a fantastic job this year, I think, especially when he was healthy earlier on prior to the All-Star break, I thought he was doing a fantastic job of, you know, helping rise the tide, lift all boats, that type of stuff. But typically, I think Pascal Siakam can make defenses more panicked, and Fred is just so good at attacking, you know, as a, as a guy in relocation or forming up off of drive. So tonight, I think, was a really, really optimistic thing to look at that from. And on the other side of things, the Raptors had no game plan for Robin Lopez. That's right, Rolo, the enemy to mascots everywhere. The guy went off, and the Raptors running that zone on the weak side and Robin Lopez against two small guys just coming in and bashing around. And I, I believe he had like 24 points off the bench. Six of eight shooting, went to the line 14 times. That's the Raptors loading up on Westbrook and Beal on the strong side and just really trying to blitz and neuter those actions and the ball eventually finding its way to Lopez, who typically is not a super successful release valve. But in this game, my God, he really did it. He did the damn thing. And the Raptors were forced to dig down, foul him, send him to the line. And 24 points off the bench for Lopez, in addition to 14 from Bertans, 15 from Hutchison and Matthews together, not separately. Separately, they're seven and eight. But that's that's pretty good production from your bench and largely buoyed by Robin Lopez and a little bit of bully ball that the Raptors weren't prepared for. They did a fine job on Len. And, you know, even though Len had, he shot 100%, he was a plus two, 
the Raptors went away from him for whatever reason, and Lopez was the guy. And by gum, he he did his thing. The Raptors, they could not contend. Eventually, they had to switch the coverage that they were running. But then towards the end of the fourth quarter, Beal and Westbrook started to kind of pop off a little bit. So you win some, you lose some. That's kind of what happens in these games. And that typically is the blueprint for how the Wizards operate, is they're looking to crumble the defense. They want to put the defense in rotation and ask everybody to try and either you try and not load up. You don't load up the strong side against the action that one of Beal or Westbrook is running. Typically, they, you know, they transition into second side action with the other player unless they're doing like a a two guard screen action or something like that. But typically, like one guy's running second side action, the other guy's running the primary action. And that's a decent way to run offense because both those guys, especially with Westbrook, the way he's been playing since apparently healing from his injury and an injury he played through, he's been fantastic as of late and really helping fuel the Wizards in their chase for the play-in and what looks like will be you know, an effective, uh, a successful chase to the play-in. And so they're just trying to to crumble you at a couple different areas and the Raptors tried to to you know stop them both and obviously the uh the dam breaks in some areas when there's so much water and that ended up being surprisingly somewhat but it was Robin Lopez that's the guy it wasn't like a three-point shooter who shook loose although Raul Neto is also a guy who I should say Raul Neto he, he had five threes in this one and if we're talking about second side action, got the ball on the move quite often, especially when the Raptors were already in rotation and found ways to get into the defense and to attack. And he also took a meaningful amount of free throws as well, six attempts. So just the Raptors really relying on their guys to get back and to cover a lot of space in rotation against this Wizards offense. And while Pascal Siakam is frantically running around and not aimlessly. He's making tons of good plays. He's problem-solving for a lot of other players on the floor. And Kim Birch, I think, is a decent center. Not as in center the position, but a center to that defense. He moves well within it. Fred, super impressive defender, of course. Always always has been since his you know college days and into the NBA as well, even as a, a rookie, as a young player. Stanley Johnson is much more impressive in the one-on-one sense, but in the team concept, he still makes a lot of gaffes, a lot of mistakes. So you can get breakdowns from there. And Gary Trent Jr. is hes a below-average defender at this point, I think, especially in a team concept. And that's just something you're dealing with. And so Bembry, I think, slides in uh, quite well sometimes. And it's just it's really hit and miss with him sometimes because he can cycle really well and he makes really great reads and he takes really great routes to closeouts and stuff like that but other times he'll just completely drop the ball and he'll miss a rotation and there'll be like a straight line drive for guys from the 45 extended and stuff like that so you wonder you know what's happening in those situations is it a mix up with him did he get his signals crossed with somebody else what's happening there so I mean and the Raptors did have breakdowns in this game 131 and as I said earlier, partially that's due to Westbrook and Beal being, you know, overwhelmingly positive offensive players as of, you know, recently, very much recently. And it's it's impressive. And the Raptors, they didn't have the defensive firepower to kind of stick with it. Would OG Ananobi really help in a game like this? Yes. Would Kyle Lowry really help in a game like this? Yes. We've seen younger players, guys who aren't as equipped to play defense in the Raptors scheme, they're aligned on the same side of the floor as Kyle. So Kyle can coach them through possessions and what 
kind of spacing they should maintain for like the weak side zone or if they're running a zone, not weak side zoning, you know, in man-on-man defense, he can coach them through possessions like that. So that's cool. That's something I saw with Jalen Harris as well. Not that Jalen Harris is coaching people, but that he was receiving the on-court coaching from Kyle Lowry. So it, it would have helped, obviously, but it wasn't there in that game. And I somehow forgot to mention or just assumed that you knew, which I shouldn't. I shouldn't assume that you know, but Paul Watson, Kyle Lowry, Chris Boucher, Yuta Watanabe, OG Ananobi, and Aaron Baines. None of them were available for this game. Well, sorry, not available. None of them played in this game, and I believe everybody was out except for Baines. I'm, I just think he's not playing at this point in time. Like, did not play. Coach's decision is what it would say. And, you know, Freddie Gillespie, that's more minutes for him. And he does his thing, man. Like, he's not, he's not a super good NBA player, but he's NBA caliber. He's young. He'll progress into the future. But he, he runs around, man. He tries to recover on defense. He's very active, hands, feet, the whole deal. And offensively, you know, he can he can pop sometimes if he's rolling into the right space. But if if the defense isn't giving him stuff, he's definitely not going to take anything. And Bembry's the same way, but Bembry was pretty clever in this game in the way that he was cutting into space. He was finding himself open and stuff like that. So that was good to see. And Rodney Hood, Malachi Flynn, Jalen Harris, nondescript for the most part. Uh, Malachi Flynn had a really nice set of uh, relocations and off-the-dribble sequences none of which resulted in points. So that's okay because, you know, we're just trying to see more from him and that's good. But the Raptors, for the most part, a team that's resting a bunch of guys that, you know, based on Nick Nurse's comments earlier today, maybe don't feel much incentivization to win games. And the Wizards, who do want to win games, not only are they rolling right now, but Russell Westbrook is a superstar and aging one at that. How many years of this insane Tasmanian devil type of player are you going to get? Push for the playoffs. Beal is there as well. And just see what happens. Uh, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, if, you know, there's there's not that many players in the league who have more confidence than those two guys. And even if I don't think it's realistic that they take out, you know, a top two seed or or I guess they'd be playing for the eighth seed, that they take out the number one seed, they'll have the confidence to say that they will. And, you know, maybe they can steal a game. And just for drama purposes, I think it would be really funny to get the quotes from, like, Beal and Westbrook if they take a game one off the the one seed as the eight seed. It would just be pandemonium. I think it would be really, really funny. I think that would be super enjoyable. So my fingers are crossed for that because it appears that the Raptors are just, they're not going to be in the play-in, as I said earlier. And, you know, I could be wrong. I haven't done the stats. I haven't done, a you know, the algorithmic run-through on this. But... I'm pretty sure the Raptors are now, I guess, four games back of Washington for the uh, for the 10 seed. Washington is rolling. Indiana won tonight as well. So it's, uh, I think, the dream is dead, if that was your dream. And if your dream is a, you know, a better pick in the draft, perhaps it's more alive than ever. Outside of, like, when the Raptors, you know, the conversation was, they're trading Kyle Lowry, they're trading Norm, Maybe they can really bottom this thing out and get like a top three pick. Obviously, that wasn't ever very realistic, but the Raptors, you know, they this this signals that the season is going to end a certain way to me. And, you know, as ev- once again, as evidenced by Nick Nurse's comments earlier today, it seems that the Raptors are recognizing that as well. Should they deserve credit for that? 
I don't know. Depends on your outlook on this team and what you view kind of, you know, pseudo tanking and tanking and stuff like that as like, should guys not be resting at all? And do you view that as like a let's win or are you one of the staunch like you have to earn your contract or like whatever else? Different people want different things, you know, as as it is with anything. Uh, very wise. This is some wisdom from Samson uh, as you're probably shaking your head furiously that this goober is speaking to you in such a manner. But okay, the uh, the Reggie Evans Award. I'm giving it to Pascal Siakam, 44, 11, and 7. Hustled defensively. He's a superstar on that end. And offensively, he's coming along. He's picked up so much stuff this year. This is something I'll talk about in end-of-season podcasts and, you know, probably, well, guaranteed for the rest of his tenure as a Raptor. But he's progressed so much this year. He's added stuff. Once everything comes together, I think, you know, he's a hell of a player even when not everything is firing on all cylinders. But once that kind of, you know, like clicks in, I think it's, you know, rocket pack on him. You know, shoot off to all-star status once again, maybe even vying for all-NBA in what is a really crowded field with a ton of really talented players, you know, so many of which are progressing at super fast rates. And there's just, there's so many talented players in the NBA currently, and it's it's fun to watch Pascal Siakam kind of jockey for position in the hierarchy. So I, I thought he was awesome tonight, and he deserves the Reggie Evans Award. And as I said, depending on outlook, it's a top quick reaction comment from Chilango, Chilango, whichever it is, quote, I realize everybody is probably a bit salty, but from a tanker's perspective, this has been the best night ever. A close, well-played, great game against a hot opponent, which we just lost. Young players developing and learning with play that bodes well for next season and our tank rivals winning. What a wonderful, fun game. This team could actually be really good next year. And let's not get into that. The Wiz had 41 free throws and we had 25, end quote. Okay, I do not like free throw talk because the Raptors don't deserve that many free throws because they shoot a lot of threes and they have like two guys on the roster who can dribble towards the rim and get all the way there. They do not deserve a lot of free throws from game to game. And that's just, I the Raptors are my favorite team. I'm not doing this to like pose as some sort of intellectual on basketball, but the Raptors do not generate a ton of free throws. I don't think they're getting jobbed. But if Russell Westbrook is on the other side of the court and he's mashing himself into the paint repeatedly, and you have Robin Lopez, who, as I talked about earlier, shot 14 free throws, it wasn't like he was getting gimme calls. The Raptors really were realizing, like, oh, he's deep in the paint. He has the ball. He's better at finishing from that range than he is the free throw line. Let's hack him. And he hit 12 of 14. Like that's and that's basically the disparity. How many free throws a game does Robin Lopez take? If I had to wager, it would be under four. This isn't typical, and it wasn't rewarded to him because you know we don't want the Raptors shooting free throws or vice versa, whatever. Is because the Raptors play style, they have to foul a lot because they're constantly defending in rotation. They don't play straight up, so their rotations are late. If things go bad, when you rotate late, you're not in position. You have to defend with your arms or as you're moving i.e. you foul. And offensively, as I said, they're not getting to the rim. They're not like making rim protectors sweat outside of Pascal Siakam and teams load up on Pascal Siakam. So yeah, I'll never understand the free throw stuff, especially not this year. But anyway, it was a fun game. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It it was a really fun game. And if you are a, a pro tanker, 
then yeah, losing is is a big deal, especially if you get the the sweet spot where you get to see a bunch of encouraging performances and a loss. So you get to see guys you want to see improve improving, and you move closer to like a, a top tier pick, as you say. It's uh, it's good for that. But thanks for tuning in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>